So super excited to have you on our second uh, episode of Employees Only here at WeWork Irving Place. We've got Maya Prohovnik from Anchor Betaworks Aviary. Thanks for joining us. Of course, yeah, thanks for having me. So I think like you have like, a really cool narrative of, kind of how you got, got into startups in the first place. Um, so it would be cool to just kind of go back a little bit and, and lead us into to where you are now. Yeah. So I have a really random background, um, as I think a lot of people more and more do who are in startups. Um, I did not major in anything relevant in college. Uh, I didn't really think about my career for a while, which I think was maybe a mistake, but turned out okay. Um, but so I, after college, I had a couple retail jobs um, and I moved to New York in 2008 um, and was really interested in tech, but never thought that it was a thing that I could do. Like I, it just seemed very unattainable and I thought that I had to be very technical to do it. Um, and so I started going to tech meetups just because I just moved here. I didn't have a lot of friends and that was just a way to meet people. And one of those people that I made friends with was this guy, Michael Galper, who was one of the founders of Aviary, which is the first startup I worked for. Um, and he and I became Twitter friends. And I saw a tweet one day that he was hiring at Aviary, um, sort of jokingly reached out to him uh, and he ended up hiring me. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, like getting into startups, sometimes it's just about getting that lucky break. Sure. Um, but I also think if I hadn't put myself out there and like met the people who were doing the stuff that I wanted to do, I wouldn't have had that chance. Right, that's, that's phenomenal. Well, let's talk about Anchor because it's a yeah. fascinating company that's getting a lot of press. I feel like you guys must be super busy. Anchor's everywhere, I feel like. South by Southwest, it was, everyone was talking about it. Feature on the App Store. Raise your seed round. Yeah. All in like just a couple months. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really good. It's been a crazy couple of months. Maybe it's helpful for anyone who doesn't know what Anchor is if we if we try to just explain a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. What what do you think Anchor is? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> other than you know radio for the people, um, it seems like you guys are really trying to democratize radio in a way that makes it easy for for anyone to share their thoughts, opinions, experiences um, through a voice medium instead of maybe visual or text, and creating like a nice community around it as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good that's a good explanation. Um, I think of it as kind of a mix between radio and Twitter where um, we, we're kind of trying to build the radio of the future where to us the vision of what radio can be is this accessible and collaborative thing where anyone can kind of get their voice heard. Um, right now like Radio is great, podcasts are huge, but there's no way to really interact with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you know the, the thing that we tried to create was something that it's super easy to record because you always have your phone with you. You can just lift it up to your ear and you know talk like you're talking on the phone. And then anytime you find a conversation that you're interested in, you can jump in. Um, and what it has turned out to also be a great place to meet people. Sure. Um, we have a lot of people like, making friends, collaborating on projects with people they've met on Anchor. Um, I feel like I'm meeting new people from all over the world, which has been really cool. Um, and so I think like we do have that great community element to it too. Awesome. I gotta say like, it, I've been in a couple startups that haven't had like that same lift off right upon launch, which has been crazy. <laughs> yeah. what, what has it been like? How does it compare to kind of your prior experience? Yeah, it's it's been really insane. I think I, right before Anchor launched, I think I, I was a little skeptical because I think I think you have to be mm -hmm. when you're like, you sort of have to guard yourself, you know, for potential failure and for no one caring about this thing that you've been working on. Um, and I was very, pleasantly surprised that people seemed to get it right when we launched. And I think um, the product kind of speaks for itself, which mm -hmm. is great. Like I think people try it and immediately, like we, we've gotten a lot of attention for our great onboarding, which is really simple and sort of it helps you understand really, how it works. really, really cool. Yeah, I yeah. think I, that was all Mike. I think it's awesome. Um, and so I think it was really awesome to see people that we didn't know, like I think that was the moment that we knew it was working, was you know the first couple hours it was all our friends or whatever, and then we started seeing strangers come into the app right. and use it in the way that we had hoped they would use it, um, and that was really cool. I think in terms of the momentum that we've had, um, it's completely insane. Like mm -hmm. we, we get a lot of inbound from a lot of 
brands and companies that we and people that we really respect and want to work with. And so it's really exciting kind of not having to we're able to spend a lot of our time on the product and on the community instead of thinking about marketing or business sure. development, those kinds of things. So it, it's really nice when it kind of works and that stuff just comes to you. That's awesome. So before uh, uh, Anchor, you were at Betaworks. Yeah. Um, and don't ask me, I, Betaworks I'll define as a startup studio roughly, but I think you can probably <laughs> yeah. give a much better I, definition I can of try. It. I, yeah. I, so I was there for two years and I still, uh, you know, I sort of try to describe Betaworks. It's it's a wonderful and very weird and you know magical and crazy place. Right. Um, it's so it's a startup studio, which means that they build startups within their studio. Mm -hmm. um, they also invest in outside companies, and so there there's always a lot going on at Betaworks. There's a lot of like there's always new people and new ideas and new projects going on. Um, so it's a really sort of I mean we say fast paced about every startup, but Betaworks is I think the definition of fast paced, where it's like a company that's you know you think is doing well might shut down tomorrow right. or something that like we thought was just a small side project could blow up right. like there's just always so much stuff that's hard to predict um, yeah I, th I think it's it's a really great place and I like I've never worked anywhere and probably won't ever get the chance to work somewhere yeah. like that again it's just it's very unique yeah. so what did you what did you do at Betaworks and I did a couple different things yeah so um, I had a made-up title there too which okay. was um, uh, head of community development um, that sound, all these things sound yeah, really, they sound legit. Sound pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty real. yeah um, I it was funny because when I got hired at Betaworks I actually didn't have a job title they were just sort of like we like you we think you can help I don't know show up but so the first couple weeks were pretty hard because I was kind of like what should I be doing and they were like well, I don't know go figure it out and I was like okay yeah. um, so I sort of came up with my title as I figured out what I was doing. Um, but so what I was actually doing was, um, at Betaworks I think what community means, it, it's a weird thing because it's not like we had Betaworks customers or Betaworks like partners, it's everything was related to the companies that were there, which again changed all the time. And mm -hmm. so mostly what I was doing was sort of internal culture and kind of like cross-company communication, like helping to figure out like how can Dig and Dots learn from each other? Like how does that work? How do we get everyone to feel like, yes, they're part of Instapaper, but they're also part of Betaworks, mm -hmm. um, you know, which was a, like a challenging thing to figure out. Um, so that was the stuff I was doing internally. And then externally, I was doing a lot of stuff like this. Like I was talking to people okay. about Betaworks. I was um, hiring and uh, in, in the last year that I was there, I ended up running our Hackers in Residence program, okay. um, which is where we bring in full stack hackers, come up with new ideas, and build new products and companies within Betaworks. So that was really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, your experiences are like, they sound awesome, like these roles. And so are they, do you think they're like innate skills or innate kind of competencies that you had, sensibilities, or is it skills that you built that set you up to like get these roles and really kind of flourish and excel? I have no idea. I think it's I think it's a combination, but I think, I think the one thing that that I'm good at that has helped me is just being hyper flexible where like I genuinely don't really care what I'm doing as long as I'm contributing and I think that's something that you know in my early days at startups I feel like uh, and I've talked to a lot of people who feel this way too like I sort of I wasn't sure exactly where I fit in and that made me feel like I always was trying to figure out what my job was or what my career path was and I think when I relaxed about that a little bit and just realized that I was just going to keep doing the stuff that people asked me to do and do a good job. It's like that is a job and yeah. that's a career, um, and so I think that that worked out. Okay, and I think we talked about this before too. But like, there's the narrative of like the more technical you are, the kind of more place you might find in startups. And yeah, how have you? I think you taught, you learned some some development and some code, right? Yeah. Um, but how much has that that played in, in, into where you are now? Um, I so I think. I think it definitely helps being somewhat technical. I think in particular, like in product development, you know, whether I was a product manager or whether I was building these new companies at Betaworks, 
being able to speak to developers and understand what they're doing and help them figure out problems. Like I don't necessarily know you know, if there's a bug, I don't know exactly what code has to be changed to fix it, but I understand the mechanics of how an app works or how a website works. Right. Um, and it's always, we, we have these moments sometimes at Anchor where like, because we have one engineer right now who's the CTO, um, and sometimes he'll be sitting there being like, I can't figure out this bug, like I don't understand what's going on, and he'll get really frustrated. And I'm like, okay, just like walk me through it, and I don't know what I'm talking about, right. but sometimes just like being the sounding board can help him figure out, or sometimes I'm like, is this a thing? Can you try this? And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. And right. I'm like, I don't know. You guys sort of just guess, it's but you, you bring up empathy, and I think that's another really important thing mm. in the kind of random roles that I have is just like whether I'm talking to like an employee or a potential employee or a, a user or a partner or my boss or whatever, just like being able to understand where someone is coming from and what they want out of your conversation, like I think that is a thing that I, I think I just know how to do. I think that's hard for some people to learn how to do and I think that's definitely made me uh, more valuable. That's, yeah, makes sense. Cool. Um, and so, with your Betaworks, you also start. You started something, right? You yeah. got started a company. Yeah, okay. I, got, I got to found a company while I was there. So I ended up co-founding one of the hackers in residence companies. Okay. Um, it was one that I got really close to, and I, the co-founder and I, became really good friends. Um, and so I ended up joining uh, as this. We didn't have like official titles. It was very early, but uh, he was the CEO, and I was sort of the COO. Right. Um, and uh, it was Glitter. Right. Uh, it was uh, which no one has heard of because it was it was alive for a few months. But I thought it was beautifully designed. <laughs> Like we talked about amazingly executed yeah. product. Yeah. yeah, I the the product. I mean, I think the two of us were like he's this incredible designer and creative mind, like to totally insane. Like he comes up with these really incredible sort of fun like interactions and gestures. Like right. he's so yeah. good at that stuff. Um, and I think like between the two of us, we made a beautiful and really fun and ridiculous product that no one understood. Right, right. Um, and I think like that that's one of the things that I love about Betaworks is like they really focus on user experience mm -hmm. and design. Like that's that's the biggest thing for them when they're coming up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the the downside of that is like we didn't think about business model and that kind of sure. stuff, which I think one of the things that I learned is even if you're focusing on product, like as a co-founder, like you do have to think ahead about sure. like how where you're gonna get users and what you're gonna do with right. them once you have them. We were just kind of like, eh, I'll figure it out right, like that. Right. So so uh, what was it like to, to start a company? And that is a, you know, a, a difficult question, but maybe just contrasting it to your experience kind of being an early employee, yeah. the differences there. Uh, it was, how, how real do you want me to get right get now? Get real, let's get real. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're trying to prevent people from starting companies. <laughs> no, no, yeah, but like, I, I will do yeah. that. I will scare everyone <laughs> away from it. Um, I did not love the experience of co-founding a company. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of factors that went into it. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'll never do it again. Um, but I think, you know, I had always thought that the pinnacle of my career was going to be like being CEO of something. Like I just sort of uh, assumed that's where I would go like in my career track. Um, and so when they, when Betaworks asked me to co-found the company, I was like, okay, like I don't really know what I'm doing, but sure, this seems like a good sure. opportunity to learn that stuff. Um, it was, it was very hard. And like, I think a big misconception or at least a misconception that I had was like, I understood that being a co-founder is hard, but I thought that that meant it's a lot of work. It's just like a lot of right. hours. And the thing that I didn't anticipate was the the emotional yeah. and physical toll that it takes on you. Yeah. Like I was not sleeping. I was really stressed in a very deep way that I've never felt before because we had a team of people and I felt responsible for their employment and it, you know, and we like we started talking to VCs, like which I had never done before. Like right. it's just it's a really hard situation because it makes you 
there's there's no one to sit there and tell you that everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like you're the one who has to tell everyone, including yourself, that it's going to be okay. And that's something that I think you can't imagine how hard that is until you've done it. And I like I had I had had CEOs say that to me before that like it's really hard and that having a company is like having a baby and like it's right. you know it's it really changes your life and I did not realize that when sure. I signed up for it it was very challenging cool. um, I think also the thing that's hard is like you don't know if any of the decisions you're making are the right ones sure. where like. I enjoy being an employee because I have a boss who is responsible for right. for those. You at least decisions. get that feedback loop of like, right. well, they think it's a good. Right, idea. and it's like, and I I get to be the one who's like, oh, he seems like he knows what he's doing. I'll just trust that he does, and then I get to go home and sleep at night. And you know, it's uh, I certainly prefer it at least at this stage of my sure, life. Sure, sure. Um, but I think you know, one of the things that that I think it taught me is that I don't think that everyone needs to be a founder. Like mm -hmm. I think we're in this weird moment right now in, at least in New York, I don't know if this is true in other places, but uh, where it seems like that's everyone's goal to like right. found their company. I talk to a ton of people who are like, I want to be a co-founder and I'm like, okay, of what? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, don't be a co-founder then. You're going to Not, not to a good start there. Yeah. <laughs> don't just, you can't, that's the other thing is if you found a company, you have to believe in what you're doing. Right. You're like a serial side project person. <laughs> I definitely am too. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you like uh, think of side projects in the context of working at startups, which also in many ways may have started as a side project? But when I'm when I'm hiring people, one of the things that I look for is side projects because, and I may be biased because I'm a person who mm -hmm. has a lot of side projects, but I think that it 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 shows it, it it has so many signals that I think you look for in a startup employee, where it's like you work hard and you like building stuff and you have a sense for product and for reaching people, and like I just think. There's something like that always sets people apart mm -hmm. for me, um, and I think in terms of building side projects, like I I make them not because I want to make money off of the L, that that would be nice, but sure. um, I make them because they're things that I want to exist in the world. Yeah. And like if I had to sit around and build something that was like production ready and that I thought VCs would care about or that people would pay for, it would take years of my life, right. and I would rather spend a weekend building something so that I can use it, put it out there, and if anyone cares, I'll keep working on it, and if they don't, I'll move on to another yeah. thing. Yeah. But I just do it for fun and I, I I know that you do too and I think yeah I, I agree I think like seeing side projects is just a signal of so many great skills for being a startup person you're creative you're curious you're resourceful how do you how do you feel about like folks who who maybe go into more formal training programs to try to round out their skill set and stuff I, I have mixed feelings about it I, I respect anyone who is looking to learn outside of work I think that's a great thing to do I think I'm I'm hesitant about anything where you have to pay to learn a skill um, particularly things that cost like ten or more thousand dollars to you know and I'll just I'm talking about coding boot camps sure. um, I I I know that different people learn in different ways and so I think for certain people who like need the structure and need the feedback and maybe need other people to talk to about it, I think it's a great option. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other great options out there that are free. So there's one thing that I did when I was learning to code is I, um, there's a, it's like CS50, it's the Harvard like intro to programming okay. class and the whole thing is online, it's mm -hmm. on edX, it's totally free and it's structured in a way that you're sort of doing a, co you're in a cohort with other people and so you're part of a Facebook group where you can ask okay, questions cool. um, and they give you assignments and they grade it. I also think it's very hard to become a programmer with just a few months of experience, even if it's intensive. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, the advice that I always give people um, is, I think it's good to have a full-time job and to on the side like learn the things that you're interested in whether you're paying for it or whether you're buying books and teaching yourself like and then start seeing if you can work those skills into your existing job mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. give some value other than the thing you're not good at yet right. um, I, I don't know if that makes sense but it does and I think a lot of it's like uh, I found especially people coming from more formal industry 
like just giving them the permission or saying it's okay, you don't have to go through a formal training program. You, yeah. you are allowed to try to t teach this yourself. It's the same thing when I work with an early stage company. I'm like, yeah, you can test an idea by putting up a landing page. You don't have right. to build a product first, right. right? And once people kind of get accustomed, I think, to that, then the ball starts rolling a little yeah. bit. But, yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm really excited to tell you guys about an awesome site and our first sponsor here at Employees Only, BrandBucket.com. BrandBucket's a really cool service. It helps you find the perfect name for your new idea for a project or business. Uh, that's kind of the first thing you want to do when you have a new idea is find the perfect name, but it can be, a, it can be hard. You're looking for the available domain names, you're brainstorming a ton, maybe you have to negotiate with an existing owner, but BrandBucket makes it super easy. With a highly curated marketplace of the best brand names and domain names on the web, they couple a brand name with a beautiful logo and a domain name that makes it really easy for you. Some awesome companies like Envato and Mattermark, they've used BrandBucket to find their name and get off the ground. And for this episode of Employees Only, BrandBucket's kind enough to offer you guys a $75 credit on the Envato marketplace which has tons of creative products that are good for any business. If you purchase a domain and a brand through brandbucket.com slash employees only. So we're really excited for you guys to have that opportunity and we hope you enjoy the episode. How did you like, uh, I guess like that's a big evolution, right? From yeah. eighth employee to being yeah. fired by Adobe. Kind of yeah. like how did, how did the company change over time? I've, I've tended to leave my companies before they get like yeah. really it, big. I, I'm glad, it was really hard. I'm glad that I stayed for that long because I think seeing a company grow, I, I think it was like 30, 35 people when I left. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this thing that we always talk about in startups which is growing pains mm -hmm. where you know when you go from a tiny company to a mid-sized company or 30 people is still pretty small but right, it feels right. big in a startup. Yeah. Um, and like I had always heard of growing pains and I, again I sort of like, I didn't realize how painful it was until it started happening sure. and it's like that moment when you realize you have to either have every meeting have all 30 people in the room or you have to start leaving people out of yeah, meetings and yeah. everyone gets all like sensitive about it because they're used to being in the meetings like it's a very hard transition totally. um, and I, I don't think there's a good answer for it right because it's like you have an employee who's like was employee number five and they're mm -hmm. used to having a lot of say in the conversations and to tell them that they can't come in anymore like but you have to do that to yep. get stuff done um, so I think there's a lot of things like that that were really tough um, it was also like we in the last year or two that I was there we we started monetizing and so mm -hmm. we had like ads and all this stuff and for me like I had been part of the product since the beginning like I helped make the product right. and come up with what it was going to be and you know we we hired this entire like biz dev team and we were selling all these crazy ads and I it was very painful for me to like see advertising and because I as a consumer like I hate advertising right. and free apps like right. it you know so I think that was kind of hard um just sort of going through, going from like just building a fun thing people like to figuring out how to monetize it, I think is always a really painful sure. part of startups. Um, so we also like transitioned our CEO, um, okay. I think a couple years uh, before we got acquired. Um, and he was like, and he was amazing. Like he, he got us acquired, like he was a business guy. But I think going from a product focused sure. CEO to a business focused one, like he definitely instituted a lot of changes. And one of them was, you know, he and I had to have a lot of talks where he was like, I think it's great that you do all this stuff, but like we got to figure out what your job is. Right. And that was so hard because, you know, like I said, I had gone through this whole process of like finally feeling good about being a generalist and being able to contribute in all these different ways. And when he was like, okay, you're going to be a product manager. That's what you are uh -huh. now. That's what you do all day, every day. It was really hard for me because I was like, I don't feel like I'm the best product manager because sure. I, the thing that I'm the best at is doing everything. Right. And so when I had to focus, I think that was definitely, it, it was hard for me because I was aware that that wasn't my right. strength necessarily. Actually, I don't think we get a chance to like, to, to, to say what your, what your title was oh, yeah. which is really fun. Yeah, I, my title was Director of Sunshine. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the side projects that you've launched, and I think couple one of them got you a bunch of Twitter followers, which is super, yeah. which is super cool. But uh, yeah, in general, kind of what are the stuff you work on and, and, and why? Yeah, so uh, I've made a lot of really weird stuff. Um, so uh, the the nice. first one, <laughs> the, the first one that I made uh, that got a little bit of traction was I had a zombie blog um, back in two thousand eight. So that a slug. Uh, that that, no, but that's a good, right. I like that. I, I should have used that. Um, again, not the best of marketing. So. Um, and it weirdly, like, I think it was, it was right around the time when zombies were starting to get popular. Okay. And so it's like, it, still to this day, if you search for certain questions about zombies, mm -hmm. my blog is the first one that comes up. It's donatemybrain.com awesome. if you want to check it out. Do you, do you maintain it at all? No, like, I, okay. I stopped a few years ago. I tried okay. to, but I, I have a job now. Sure. So it's yeah. hard to put as much right, time into right. it. Um, but so that, that got. And Netflix is a lot better now. Yes, so yes, that's true. Yeah, the, it's gotten better. Um, so that I, I sort of became like the zombie expert, um, particularly on Twitter, because I was on Twitter in the early days. And so like, again, if anyone would search for zombie, like I was the only person tweeting about them. Right. Uh, so I got a lot of followers from that. Um, I also got filmed for a documentary about zombies, which was weird. Okay. Uh, that never came out, sadly, but uh -huh. it was fun to film. So that was one of them. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Most recently, uh, I, I made a, it, it's the thing I'm most proud of, I think. Uh, I made a website. I'm a really big Stephen King fan, Okay. Uh, somewhat obsessive, okay. uh, and I started noticing if, if you've ever read any Stephen King, you know that there's like crossovers between all his books and there's this whole Stephen King universe. You're nodding, you know. And um, <laughs> it's dairyconnection.com, D-E-R-R-Y, which is a made up Stephen King town. Um, and it's, uh, it, it basically um, tracks all the connections between all these. And so I learned Python and Django to build okay. it. Oh, wow. Did the whole thing myself. I was incredibly, my, my boyfriend helped a little bit with right. the, like, the server side stuff, sure. but everything else I did myself. Um, and it was really fun. Like I did it over a couple of weeks over like Christmas break um, and uh, no one cares about that one but me but it's like I feel like if you just start use, using the word machine learning and artificial totally. to describe yes. that and go more <laughs> yes, authors I there's do. like a fundable business somewhere I right? actually people have said that to me before <laughs> yeah, that I should just open source like the concept right. of like tracking like stuff between books but yeah. um, again I don't really care yeah, I just sure. like that I have a website where I can like I can now visualize how many things in Cujo there are about the stand, and right. like that's a really cool thing for me. That's um, yeah. I I think you're like, I feel my my side projects come from a place of like I think people might want this, so let me experiment. Yeah. But then I have no idea what I'm gonna do if they do actually really respond well. But yeah. yours are much more like I yeah. I want to have yeah. this. Like which I'm making I, this for Which myself. I think is never gonna make me a billionaire, but it's really fun, and I think I I really like. It's cool having a bio that has these things in it, you know, because right. I'm like, it almost doesn't, like, I don't have to take credit for this kind of stuff. Like, I can just enjoy what I'm doing at work, yeah. but feel like that doesn't completely define me. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. There's a couple questions that I try to ask everyone uh, when, when they come to the show. Um, but one might be like, so if someone wants to get into startups or thinking about getting into, what's some advice maybe that, that you've used or, or heard that, that could be useful? Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, based on my own experience, which is sort of the only advice that I can offer. So what I always tell people is figure out what value you can bring to startups now. So when people come to me and they're like, how do I become a product manager? And I'm like, well, you can't just walk into a startup and say, hi, I want to be a product manager because the whole point, you can only be a good product manager if you have experience. So it's sort of like the catch 22 yeah. thing. Um, and so I think if you want to be a product manager, you should go get a shitty job at a startup doing like answering support tickets or being an office manager or being a, like a junior project manager, which does exist, or like anything that you can do that you can contribute to. Um, and I think 
you know, go try and find a place where like where the founders will tell you that they care about people's careers and they mm -hmm. care about growing you. And that doesn't mean that they have to do it the day after you start, but it means like you should have a boss where you can talk about where you want to be a year from now, five sure. years from now. And if you communicate that and if you prove your value doing the kind of low level stuff, um, I think startups are a great place to get those kinds of opportunities. Like things move a lot faster sure. than in other companies. Um, yeah, and I think like a lot of it's maybe in your experience too, like just establishing that trust with the founder yeah. because early on they just want to know they have people they can really trust. Yes. And especially anything you're giving part of your product, you're giving yeah. part of your company to someone to manage. I really yeah. think like the biggest thing that you can offer is just being willing to do whatever needs to get done and not having an ego about it. Sure. Because um, I think the biggest mistake you can make walking into a startup is think that it's about you because it's really not yep. like it's it's not about any of the people there it's about trying to get this thing to come to life yep it, to me at least and I, everybody is different everybody hires mm -hmm. in a different way um, when people show up and they're like here's a list of things that I think your company could be doing better yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like I cannot hire you yeah, because yeah. the last thing I need is another person like giving criticism mm -hmm. or like ha like again it's not really about your voice getting heard it's mm -hmm. about so i much prefer when people show up and they're like look i love this thing i want to help in any way that i can right. what do you need and right. how can i do that yeah. um, i think another thing that i tell people is um, if you're not qualified for a job one thing that's really great is like so if you want to be a product manager at buzzfeed or whatever like that's your goal in life Email some people at BuzzFeed, direct email, not LinkedIn message. Right. <laughs> Find a way to contact them. Email people who seem nice and helpful and are doing something that you want to do. And take them out for a coffee, not to ask for a sure. job, but to say, how do I get to where you are five years from now? Like, yeah. How do I become that? And I think like that's the best way, first of all, to get advice. But secondly, these people will be flattered and they will want to help you. And like that's how you get mentors, which I think is really important when you're breaking. What's kind of been surprising to you about startups? And, and what didn't you expect that, that that's... Yeah, true. I mean, I think so. One of them I talked about a little bit already, which is uh, how hard it is working at a startup. Like even being an employee versus a founder, when you work at a startup, it's you know, I when I took this latest job, like I'm I'm planning a wedding this year, and like I had to have yeah. a real conversation with my fiance where I was like, if I take this job at Anchor, I'm never going to be home. I'm not going to be able to clean the house. Like it's you know, it's going to be like a different dynamic, and that's something that you really have to figure out for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, it's. It's not just about showing up from nine to five and working really hard. It's like we, you know, at Anchor, like we are always on the app. We're working nights and weekends and we do it because we want to do it. But it, it would be very hard for us to hire someone who wasn't willing to make that commitment. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that's been really surprising. Um, the other, I think, you know, coming from a background in retail, I, I got really used to working with people who didn't understand me and who were on a really different, not that, I mean, people in retail are wonderful, but like they, you know, at the time, like, didn't understand why I was on Twitter and they thought that was weird or like they I would go to tech meetups on the weekend right. and they would be like going to movies like normal people and like it was very hard for me to talk about my interests. Mm -hmm. And so I think one thing that was surprising to me like when I first got to Aviary, you know, the like the second day I sort of looked around and I was like everyone in this room is smarter than me and they know more about tech than I do and that was such an amazing feeling. Like sure feeling like I was actually in a place where people not only cared about the stuff that I cared about, but they were teaching me things. Right. And I think that's something that continues to be like my favorite thing about being in startups. Um, cool. I think one yeah. more one yeah, more please. great piece of advice that I got okay. um, from a guy named Jonathan Basker, who's okay. like, he's, he's worked at a lot of tech companies in New York. Um, he told me one time, always ask someone what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. So like even if I'm interviewing someone to come work at Anchor, mm -hmm. saying to them, how can I help you? Like what's going on with you? And like that's how you forge these relationships. And yeah. that's, you know, like networking is not about going to a meetup and handing out your business card yeah. and asking people to try your thing. Yeah. Networking is about like showing people that you are a valuable person mm -hmm. to, to know and to be around. 
and then you ask them for a favor later because sure. then they owe you one. But you know, as a woman uh, who spent you know, a lot of your career in tech and with startups, would love to hear your thoughts on kind of like underrepresented groups uh, in the industry in general and maybe how things are trending or, or, or what have you. What are your thoughts? Cool. Um, <laughs> I guess like anecdotally, I think I've seen that companies that have diverse teams, ethnically, gender, in, in viewpoint as well, I do think you tend to see really great outcomes. Um, and I don't know if it's a causation type relationship, but I, I feel like I've been encouraged by companies that I've been at that I've, as they've kind of expanded um, the diversity of the team, that there's been really great effects on the business, not just the kind of the culture um, and the optics of it. Yeah. And I think like Chamath did a study too about like um, the, 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 the VC firms that have the greatest diversity tend to have drive the best outcomes as well. And I think a lot of that's probably has to do with viewpoint diversity and the intellectual benefit yeah. um, as well as the cultural side as well. But yeah, I agree um, I'm inspired when I see you know, studies of like underrepresented people kind of succeeding in tech. I think it's inspiring. I think it's a great example to set. And so yeah. I'm obviously generally like would like to see more of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a great answer. Cool. I think, <laughs> so um, I think, I don't think of, I don't know, it's a hard question to answer. Um, I'm always sort of wary of answering this because I don't want to offend anybody, but it's obviously important and I agree with you that more diverse teams have a better chance because when you have different perspectives and when you have particularly in leadership I think it's important to have different perspectives um, you know it's it can be hard sometimes working on a team where all the founders are white men you know for everybody I think because um, they don't necessarily have the same experiences that everyone has but um, I think uh, to me it's an issue of I, I never want to force it I think that whoever is the best person for the job should have the opportunity to do that job helping girls feel like science is a thing that they can do. Mm -hmm. It's about um, gi giving people who are junior opportunities to grow, which is hard to do incidentally when you're an early stage startup because yep. if you need an iOS developer, you need one who knows what they're doing because they're your only iOS developer. Sure. Yep. So I think, you know, like, anyway, but I, I do kind of think it's like it's on the bigger companies who are able to mentor people and help them grow. I would like to see more of that. Um, easy for me to say because I'm at a tiny startup. Yeah, yeah, but, no, but that's, that's I, I do point. think that that's yeah. a good uh, one place we can do it. Um, I think that VCs need to start investing in female founders. Mm -hmm. um, I hear stories all the time about women having trouble fundraising, and yeah. like, sure, that could be a coincidence. Maybe their ideas aren't good, but I think that they go in at a disadvantage, which is really not mm -hmm. fair. Um, and I think you know, I think. It's really about exposure. It's like, how do we, really the problem is women, like me, like I, I did not think that I could go work at a startup. And like, I have met a lot of men who like, fresh out of college, they're like, okay, here I go. I'm starting yeah. my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And like, I don't know if that's a personality thing or how they were raised. Like, there's a lot of things that go into it, but there's definitely a difference in how white men think about it and the experiences they have and the experiences that everyone else has. Sure. Yeah, as I mentioned, brandbucket.com is kind enough to sponsor this episode of Employees Only, and I think you might be the perfect guest for it because you have all these project ideas and they help you find the perfect name for a yeah, project. which is hard. Yeah, which yeah. can be really hard. So are there any that you're looking for the perfect name for right now? Yeah, so I, it's funny that you bring this up because I actually have an idea that I'm working on right now with my fiance where we want to build a movie recommendation site okay. where um, you can pick what movie you want to watch based on the mood that you're in and who you're watching it with, but we don't have a good name for it yet. All right, so I'm awesome. actually really excited about this. So I'll try, let's just try plugging movie in maybe and see yeah. what we get. All right, 88 names. Uh, Ready Movie, Hey Picture, Pix TV. Film Crate. Film Crate. That's cute. Video Duck, I like that one, that's cute. Okay, cool, so um, here we go. Save it. Cool, yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice option, I like it. Nice.